Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loyal, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois And by EasternChristianMedia.com A broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's EasternChristianMedia.com Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Today in the church, both East and West, all over the world, and now particularly in America, in a different sort of way, in other words, a kind of a, what we might call white martyrdom, the church is experiencing persecution, injustice. Sometimes, of course, this martyrdom takes on the red martyrdom or the blood martyrdom. So far, that's not the case in the United States of America, and we hope that it is not, unless it be God's will. But there is a certain white martyrdom. Now, there's a certain kind of injustice, a persecution, a kind of a prejudice towards the church, the Catholic church, especially East and West. And this is something the church has to stand up against, both East and West, to witness for the sake of justice and also, of course, for the gospel and above all, for conversion, the conversion of hearts. Our hope as a church, when we stand up against injustice or prejudice, persecution, and so on, is that eventually a heart may be changed and a person will be won over for Christ. Our goal is not just to beat down an enemy or beat an enemy, rather, it is to stand for what is just and right, and above all, for conversion to our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. A conversion of hearts, that's what we're really about. And that, of course, really is what love is about. The church is about love, both East and West. And sometimes persecution or injustice, misunderstanding, can happen within our own home sometimes, sometimes within our own house. You know, Sometimes they say, you have to get your own house in order first before you can help somebody else. Well, that's not exactly the case in the church. The house of the church is always in a little bit of disorder because there are faulty human beings, you know, fallen human beings that are in the church, that have positions in the church. But of course, the church is guided by the Holy Spirit. So we can't wait for the church's house to be completely in order in order to help to bring order to other people's homes who are outside of the church. But we work on both with a spirit of fraternity, a sense of history and compassion, yet with justice and fortitude and all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the other virtues that we can muster up. And such is the case oftentimes within the church, as I mentioned, between the eastern and western lungs of the church. Now, in this case, I mean not just the eastern and western lungs 
of the Orthodox Church in the East and the Roman Catholic Church who are not in communion with each other at this time, but also within the Catholic Church itself, between the Eastern Catholic Churches and the Latin Rite Church, or in particular, the Vatican and Rome. Recently, some of these issues came to light. In other words, issues meaning things we have to look at and work on together. It's like any other kind of relationship. It's like in a marriage. There's always something that has to be worked on, always something that can be perfected. It doesn't mean that the two people hate each other, don't get along. It just means that there's always something in process towards a perfection of the church, towards a perfection of that harmony between the two lungs of the church. As John Paul II said, the lungs of the church are supposed to breathe together, but that's not always the case. But in the meantime, we work towards that goal. Now, the way we work towards it is in a spirit of fraternity and charity, but also in the spirit of truth, of looking at things very honestly, especially from the standpoint of history, a lot of scholastic honesty and accuracy. And so the time has come recently because the bishops of the Eastern Catholic Churches in America went to Rome and visited Pope Benedict XVI and also the members of the Oriental Congregation. The Oriental Congregation in Rome is that branch of the Vatican that kind of oversees or helps to govern the Eastern Catholic Churches. When the Eastern Catholic Bishops went to Rome, they went for what was called the Ad Limina Visit, which of course is what the Latin Rite Bishops are doing as well this past year. Ad Limina means a sort of report in. It's actually supposed to be a very fraternal thing. The bishops come and they share their concerns and their cares and their their triumphs and their joys and their failures and their hurts and their hopes with the Pope. And then he responds to them, again, in that same kind of fraternal charity. And this happens from time to time, the church. So both the Eastern Catholic bishops and also the Latin Rite bishops both report to Rome from time to time for this ad limina visit. During the visit of the Eastern Catholic churches, during the visit of the Eastern Catholic bishops in Rome, the cardinal of the Arnie Congregation, Cardinal Sandri, addressed the Eastern Catholic bishops. He did so in a homily at a mass that was held at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And his homily is rather noteworthy of many of the, well, the pluses and also the kind of the tensions that still exist between the Eastern Catholic churches and the Latin Rite Church. There are actually some tensions or things that need to still be worked out. And again, it's all in process, just like a marriage. It does not mean the marriage is not happy. It does not mean that people do not like each other or hate each other or mean to each other. It just means there are certain things that always are in a process of being worked out. It's because, just like between man and woman, there are different perspectives. There is a complementarian at church, and that complementarity is not always in perfect harmony, but it works itself out. It works itself out over time, and that is the goal. And again, in a spirit of charity, but yet in a spirit of accuracy. I want to share some of the words of the Cardinal, Cardinal Sandri, as he spoke to my bishops my bishop in particular, and of course the Eastern Catholic bishops, on their ad limina visit. Well, look at some of his points because they're very telling of where the issues are at right now with the Eastern Catholic churches and the Roman Catholic church. Now again, we're all part of the same church, part of the same team with the same pope. We love each other and respect each other, but that love and respect is not always perfect. And it's good to look at that because it gives a great insight into both our churches, into what has to be done, what has to be worked on, so that we can continue to turn this church, to transform the church more and more, as St. Paul says in his Ephesians chapter 4, more and more into that, that body of Christ, that image, that Christ come to full stature. It's an ongoing process, and sometimes we have to kind of look at the bumps in the road. Now, the Cardinal said some things that were complementary and fraternal, and at the same time, they may have come off a little paternalistic, but here is the 
precisely where some of the problems are. Now, here's some of the points he made. He cited that the Eastern Catholic churches are small in America, in North America, and that their resources are, are much smaller as well than the Latin Rite Church. And he cited that as a kind of a challenge, a real challenge. Well, indeed, it is a challenge. The Eastern Catholic churches are very small, very spread out in the continent of North America. All the Eastern Catholic churches have a homeland in such places as, as Europe and Russia and the Middle East. But the Eastern Catholic churches in America, at the same time, do not see themselves as a diaspora. And I think sometimes that's a little bit of the difference in perception. It seems that sometimes Rome sees our churches in America, the Eastern Catholic churches, as perhaps a diaspora. In fact, the Cardinal said in his remarks that one of the gifts of the Eastern Catholic churches in America is the fact that they can be bridges supporting Catholics in their homelands with prayers, advocacy, and financial support while at the same time enriching the United States with their cultural and religious identity. Now, that is very complimentary in one respect. At the same time, the Eastern Catholic Churches in America would respond by saying, well, our perception of ourselves is maybe a little bit different, a little bit more developed than that. We do not see ourselves, for the most part, as a diaspora. Yes, our homelands are in another continent, another country, and we do try to support our homelands, but at the same time, we are our own church here. The documents of Vatican II and subsequent papal documents have very gladly referred to the Eastern Catholic churches as churches who are sui juris. It's a Latin for meaning a church in its own right, in other words, self-governing. Now, self-governing does not mean that it is separated from the Pope of Rome. It just means that we have our own clergy, our own hierarchy, and we sort of work out, or are supposed to work out, our own destiny by ourselves, or within ourselves. Yes, with the guidance and the help of Rome when need be, together with Rome, but we do not take a position that we sort of wait for marching orders from Rome for every little thing. See, that would not be a church sui juris. That would be a church that is not very mature and not treated maturely. A church sui juris is a church that is on equal footing with every other church. In other words, the Latin Rite Church is the largest of the churches in the Catholic Church, the largest rite, but it's not the only one. And the Eastern Catholic churches, though very, very small, much, much, much smaller, admittedly, especially in the Western world, than the Latin Rite Church, are no less small in dignity. They're not smaller in dignity or integrity. They have equal integrity and dignity with the Latin Rite Church, just that they are smaller. And sometimes this can create, and understandably so, a kind of a misperception that maybe the Eastern Catholic churches are the lesser church, and that the real church is the Latin Rite Church. In fact, this was the case even at the early part of the last century, when the Eastern Catholic churches came over here from their homelands as immigrants, and the Latin Rite Church and Latin Rite hierarchy were well established here, and there was a great deal of tension for the most part. Not, not entirely, but there was a great deal of tension. Because at that time, the Latin Rite churches, and I'm talking about the 1890s, early 1900s, at that time, the Latin Rite church and the hierarchy of the Latin Rite had a kind of a vision of an American church. And along came these Eastern Catholic churches from, a, from very different countries or very different customs, one of which, the most striking of which, was the priests were married. We're going to talk more about that particular hinge pin issue and the Cardinal's remarks to the Eastern Catholic Churches when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. 
In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, an Eastern Catholic priest and host of Light of the East Radio. As an Eastern Catholic, my spiritual and family heritage comes from Central Europe, a land that is all too familiar with religious persecution and assaults upon religious liberty. Precisely because of my spiritual and family background as an Eastern Catholic, it is with a certain credibility and urgency that I want to warn Americans of the danger of the recent health and human services mandate forcing religious institutions to do something against their consciences. Far from being just a simple piece of a government-inspired healthcare plan, the health and human services mandate springs from the same philosophies and worldviews that eventually led to the all-out persecution and assault on religious liberty in the areas of the world such as Eastern and Central Europe, Russia, and the Middle East. I am asking all of you to contact your government representatives and to support the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in getting our government to rescind this unprecedented encroachment on religious liberty. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. People often ask me, what is the difference between an Eastern Catholic and a Latin Rite Catholic? Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya with an Eastern Christian Moment. The difference between Eastern Catholicism and Roman or Western Catholicism is not a difference in belief, nor is it just a matter of different customs and traditions. Rather, it is a difference of theological emphasis, of seeing the same thing but from different vantage points, according to the respective genius of both lungs of the Church. For instance, in Western spirituality, there is an emphasis of man striving towards God and how the accomplishments of man point to the greatness of God. This emphasis became expressed in the tall verticality of Gothic church architecture and in works of famous artists and composers. In the East, the starting point is God's transcendence, which becomes imminent and incarnate. This emphasis became expressed in the domes, arches, and iconography of the Eastern churches. East and West may differ in emphasis, but they both arrive at the same place of the one true God. To find out more about the Eastern Lung of the Church, go to easternchristianmedia.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loy, your host, and we're talking about the ad limited visit of the Eastern Catholic bishops as they went to Rome to meet with the Pope and also the Oriental Congregation. Again, the Oriental Congregation is that branch of the Vatican that oversees the Eastern Catholic churches. Now, this was set up especially as Eastern Catholic churches began to come back into reunion with Rome and Rome with them. In other words, Eastern Catholic churches, most of them, most all of them, have an Orthodox counterpart. In other words, they were at once part of the Orthodox Church. Now, the Orthodox Church, per se, was formed after the Great Schism in 1054 A.D., basically around 1054 A.D. The Eastern Churches called themselves, after that schism, the schism between the Eastern Churches and the Western Churches, the two lungs of the Church, the Orthodox Church called themselves the Orthodox Churches. I'm sorry. The Eastern Churches called themselves the Orthodox Churches from that time on, and the West became known as the Roman Catholic Church, or specifically the Latin Rite. Now, in the 15th and 16th centuries, parts of the Orthodox churches, you know, parts of the Eastern Long of the Church, reunited with Rome, Rome with them, and that's how you formed then the Eastern Catholic churches, of which I am a member. The Eastern Catholic churches have a variety of rites, and mine is, of course, the Byzantine Catholic rite, the Byzantine rite. 
And within the rights, there are jurisdictions. So the Byzantine rite has other jurisdictions based on ethnic identity, such as Ukrainian, Belarusian, Russian, and so on, Ruthenian, my church. These jurisdictions are based on ethnic identity, but they follow sort of the follow underneath the one umbrella of the rite called Byzantine. So I know it's a little bit complicated, but just think of it as the Catholic Church with expressions, lived out expressions of venerable traditions from the East and the West. As I was mentioning earlier, the Eastern Catholic churches in America see themselves not as a diaspora, but as their own individual churches. Sui juris, as Rome even said, standing on their own and charting and working out their own destiny. Yes, we are connected with our homeland and obviously connected with Rome, the Pope of Rome, but we also are, in a sense, self-governing. In other words, we have the right to work out our own destiny. We see ourselves as a church and churches that can bring oftentimes what is lacking to this modern Western culture that we know of in North America. And so I include all of North America, Canada, Mexico, but especially the United States. So we bring to North America a certain vision, a certain spirituality that we believe is essential, something that is, for a large part, missing. Now, we are small. we got a lot of work to do, but we may be small, but we believe our spirituality is mighty. We believe, we believe we have a contribution to make to the whole church and to the world in America. And so that's why we see ourselves as churches not in diaspora, but churches sort of are trying to stand on their own. Yes, with the guidance and help of Rome, but not in a position of codependency. In other words, we don't sit around just waiting for every single little marching order from Rome. That would not be a church that has a maturity to it, that is sui juris, that has its own integrity. That would be a very undeveloped church. And so for the good of the whole church, this is how we see ourselves. Now, there's a particular issue I mentioned, the issue of priestly celibacy, which became a huge issue when the Eastern Catholic churches came to America. And one of the reasons it was a big issue is because the Latin Rite bishops, Latin Rite clergy and churches at the time in America, who were already well-established, were made up largely of clergy from Irish or German descent, and they were not so familiar with the Eastern churches and with the customs of the Eastern church. And also because what happened was they, they had an idea, kind of a vision of becoming the American church. Because, see, they did not see themselves as diaspora either. They did not see themselves as a diaspora from Ireland or Germany. They saw themselves as being here in America, and they would have to establish themselves as an American Catholic church. Even though there are different ethnic backgrounds to it, it still was basically an American Catholic church, and that was their vision at the time. Now, what happened was when the Eastern Catholic churches came over here, and eventually the clergy with their wives, what happened was they were very different, especially the fact that they had wives. And this was a source of consternation to the Roman bishops at the time because they they thought this would not fit into their vision and also as a source of scandal because celibacy had long since been the tradition in the Latin Rite Church among the clergy and they were not familiar with the fact that there was an unbroken custom of married clergy in the Eastern churches. And so this was a source of scandal and they felt very intimidated by this. And so what happened was, to make a long piece of history short, what happened was the Latin Rite clergy in the, in the United States of America, and North America, petitioned Rome. They sort of pressed Rome to do something about this. And in 18, around 1890, a statement was made by Rome saying that the priest in America would have to be celibate. Well, the Eastern Catholic churches basically kind of ignored that because it was almost like they were saying, like, what? What? Wait, well, this is who we are. What do you mean we can't be married? I mean, it's very much a part of the fabric, the structure of Eastern Catholic churches. Well, the Latin Rite bishops persisted. 
And finally, in 1929, in a document, March 1st, 1929, called Cum Dara Fueret, finally then it was asserted by Rome that all priests in the New World, at that time they called it the New World, all priests in the New World who were part of the Catholic Church, whether East or West, in other words, who were communion with the Pope of Rome, would have to be celibate. In other words, there, there could only be celibate priests in the New World. And again, remember, America was called at that time the, the New World. Now, some of the expressions of this are Sometimes they're hard to listen to, but it's important to know them for the sake of our issues today, and especially in light of the unlimited visit of the Eastern Catholic bishops to Rome. In one document, this is a document, and it's found from an article by Roman Choli called The Eastern Catholic Mary Clergy in North America, and this is from Eastern Church's journal, dated summer of 1997. He's relaying, Roman Choli is the author, he is relaying the situation at the time, and here's what he says. The underlying attitudes in the implicit ecclesiology of the American Latin Rite bishops of the last century says that it was they who were responsible for the celibacy law imposed by the Holy See. At a meeting held in Chicago in September 1893, they resolved, quote, he's quoting the American bishops here, that the presence of Mary priests to the Greek Rite in our midst is a constant menace to the chastity of our unmarried clergy, a source of scandal to the laity, and therefore the sooner this point of discipline is abolished, before these evils obtain large proportions, the better for religion, because the possible loss of a few souls of the Greek rite bears no proportion to the blessings resulting from uniformity of discipline. I'm sure that that sounded very strange or maybe even taken aback by today's ears and today's sensitivities, but that's what happened back in the 1890s, early 1900s. And a similar kind of echo of that, however, is something that the Eastern Catholic Churches in America sometimes still get. They sometimes still hear a certain echo of that. And there was, to an extent, that echo in the remarks of Cardinal Sandro to the Eastern Catholic Churches, at least in our perception. Because one of the things he said was this. He urged the Eastern Catholic Churches to maintain formation programs integrating immigrant priests and embracing celibacy in respect to the ecclesiastical context of the United States, where mandatory celibacy is the general rule for priests. So you see, to our ears, that sounded very reminiscent, though, although not quite so harsh, as the statements from the Latin Rite clergy in the 1890s and early 1900s, where basically the point is, back then and here, now, in these remarks, the point to us comes off as that the Latin Rite Church is the real church, the standard, and that the Eastern Catholic churches can compromise themselves in favor of the real church, in other words, of the standard of the set. Now, the problem with this is that it makes the Eastern churches seem as though they are inferior, that because they're smaller, they're somehow of less quality, less integrity, and they can be asked to compromise themselves in deference to the larger Latin Rite church. And this becomes very, very problematic, not only for us as Eastern Catholic churches, but for the whole church and for the cause of ecumenism. Because our Orthodox brethren looking on at this, this kind of wording and attitude, would be very disturbed. In fact, they would say, well, my goodness, why should we reunite with Rome when our own Eastern brethren, who used to be with us, went to Rome, they went back over to Rome, and this is how you are regarded. So why should we come over there and reunite then as a result of this kind of treatment? Now, this is not to say that the Latin Rite treats the Eastern Catholic churches poorly as a general rule. We're just talking about certain issues, as I mentioned in the beginning, and I want to emphasize this very strongly. We're talking about certain things that still need some work, ongoing dialogue, just like in any marriage, even in very good marriages. There's always something that needs work. The only way to do that work 
is to be very, very honest about things. Fraternally, but at the same time, honest. Don't, don't sweep things under the rug. Don't hide things. Bring them out. Talk about them. Talk with each other about them, but to do so fraternally. If there's a certain goal in mind, the goal, of course, in marriage would be the perfection of the marriage. In this case, it's the perfection of the church that must breathe with both lungs. We're going to talk more about the ad limita visit and its implications and the implications of the comments by Cardinal Sondra as well as those by Pope Benedict XVI to the Eastern Catholic Churches. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>